0: heads in prayer loving father in heaven we come before thy throne of grace even now to give thee thanks for thy loving kindness for thy grace and mercy it fails not Lord as we have (coughs) even mentioned so many things this morning in our announcements they are things that you are not that are not unknown to you you know everything and we pray that you would hear our petitions and our prayers and that you will do mighty works even in this small congregation in Toronto. May your word speak to our hearts this morning and may you open our hearts to be willing recipients of it that we may be strengthened, changed and edified and that your name would be lifted up and glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name, amen.
1: With the Lord's help,
0: and based upon the joyful news that we've heard this morning concerning Daniel, I'd like to talk to a very familiar chapter, which is found in Luke 15. A very familiar chapter, Luke chapter 15. Then draw nigh unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them and he spake this parable unto them saying what man of you having an hundred sheep if he lose one of them doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it and when he had found it he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise you shall be in that there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-and-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the elder of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son <coughs> gathered all together and took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. <coughs> And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, He said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let <clears throat> us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now when the eldest son was in the now the his eldest son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said unto him thy brother is come And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. May the Lord bless the reading. Of this word.
1: <clears throat> Let's kneel together for prayer. Heavenly Father we thank thee that we have this opportunity this morning hour to gather together to worship thee in this way. We thank thee for the further relaxing of restrictions that has allowed this dear Lord and we glorify thy name together and we're thankful that we have this opportunity help us not to take it lightly because we do not know what the future may hold Heavenly Father we've heard about many that are going through great difficulties uh, even at this very moment crises of of health uh, various situations Heavenly Father the amount of pain and, and difficulty in this world is so great it surely must touch thy father heart to see creation groaning under the curse of sin. But Heavenly Father, if we could only see for a brief moment the joy that is in heaven when one that is lost is found again. That would help us to make sense of all the difficulty in this world when we realize that this world is not it, it's not the end. This world is only a brief, a brief time, the, the waiting chamber for eternity. And heavenly Father, what a day that will be when we will gather together with the saints of all the ages around thy throne, worshiping thee and praising thee forever. Oh, that no one here this morning that is within the hearing of these words would be absent from that. Heavenly Father, be with the brothers, he would Expound on the word now on these lost things and how they When found by thee bring rejoicing Heavenly Father help us to remember that we are here for much more important things than just daily food and drink and the routines of life Help us to be ambassadors for thee that many more would be found before the door of grace is shut We pray these things now together in the name of thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Dearly beloved, this is probably the most beloved parable or set of parables that was ever written by God's servants. And as mentioned many times before, Luke was the one that was focusing on how the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was lost. We know that we probably heard it so many times, we already know what's going to come perhaps into the, in the sermon about each and every verse. And I'm not going to focus on each and every verse, especially because of the time. But as the brother mentioned in his prayer, this, this, is a, this is a chapter on lost things. And the focus is not so much, perhaps the focal parable is the parable, parable of what we call the prodigal son. But the, the focus and the center is not the son. The whole reason that Jesus brought these three points these three parables together was because he wanted to teach the Pharisees and the scribes a very, very important lesson. In the opening verses, we see what that lesson is about. That the Pharisees and the scribes saw Jesus mixing and eating with sinners and publicans. Which to them was taboo you don't see good jews doing that they don't want to become defiled with the unclean sinners and the traitorous or treacherous publicans who betrayed their nation in their eyes by helping out the romans so jesus is focusing on that and he's focusing on the most important thing for all of us to understand He's focusing on not the sinner and the publican. But he's focusing on the heart of God and the heart of man. Primarily the heart of God and how it is contrasted to the heart of man. They were upset. And you know what? And when Jesus started talking about these three parables, they probably got more upset Because he was telling them some things which were contrary to their culture which were contrary to the understanding but Jesus had to to say those things that hurt and many times we need to say things that hurt because only then do we know we've reached the real issues of the soul of the heart the pattern is this There was the lostness of the sheep. The sheep was found. And there was rejoicing. There was the lostness of the drachma or the the coin that the lady lost. The coin was found. And there was rejoicing. There was the lostness of the son. The son was not only lost, he was dead, according to Jesus. Jesus. He was found. He was made alive. And there is rejoicing. Where was the rejoicing? In heaven. The rejoicing was in heaven. There is more joy over one sinner that repents than on the 99 that do not repent or that have no need of repentance. That doesn't mean that God rejoices in those that don't repent. That means they have already repented. Can you imagine there is something that is even more joyous to God? And that is when a sinner recognizes who he is. When a sinner recognizes who God is than over one of his own who are serving him. There's a special joy, if I can put it that way. What we have heard already in the prayer concerning, and what we heard in the announcements today, is part of this sermon actually. It's an indication, it's a depiction of where we are today in the world in which we live. There was a time when this world was pristine, Edenic, as we say today because we go back to Eden when there was no sin, when there was no corruption, when there was no depravity. But because of the sin of one, Romans 5 says, many died. Because one died, many died with him. Because of Adam's death, sinful death, we all died. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even when the law came, until the law, death was still reigning. And death what? They reigns after the law of Moses too. And all the law of Moses did was reveal to mankind the, the heinousness of their sin. We see here that the, as much as there was rejoicing, and you wonder why the woman, I guess, it meant something really to her, why she would call the neighborhood over because she found a coin. If I found, if I found a thousand bucks under my mattress, I wouldn't call the neighborhood over to rejoice with me, no not know I've got it, and I hide it under my mattress. But for some reason, this had a special meaning to her, maybe part of her dowry. Maybe that was her life savings, part of her life savings. And she had this coin, and she rejoiced same as with the sheep the sheep that was lost that went off some would say that seems absurd that one man the shepherd would go and leave 99 to follow to find the one because now he's leaving these sheep exposed but jesus makes it very clear says which one of you would not do this because in their minds they know that they would do this because there are other, maybe, measures that can be taken in the absence of the shepherd. But I don't want to focus on that. What we need to look at is perhaps what hits closer to home, and that is when personality is involved, when people are involved, when children are involved. The third parable about the prodigal son is about a son who wanted basically his inheritance before his father died. That's the usual understanding of this this passage. He wasn't so interested in his father as he was interested in what his father could give him. And so the, the son had plans. The son was making plans. He was thinking, boy, if I had that money, I'd get free myself from this household, from perhaps the strict upbringing that I have, and I could go out there and, and have a good time. I'd have lots of friends. After all, I've got this brother that's always grumpy. And I think I can distance myself from the home. And he had all these... Visions, greener pastures, as the sheep had, and he was going to, he had plans. He was going to step through these plans. Is that what we do today? I know I had plans. We had testimonies on on Wednesday and testimonies in previous uh, weeks um, about where we were before we came to God. We all had plans. Oh, I had plans of becoming a football star. I had plans of mixing with the big leagues. I had plans of becoming famous. I had plans of being popular. I had plans, maybe, maybe I'll get a a nice girl if I'm popular. But that wasn't immediately. My plans immediately, before I reached the age of 13, was I want to follow God. I want to go to church. I was pricked by the the preaching of Brother Andy Cozy when he came to to Adelaide. And he was preaching about the end times. And I wanted to become a Christian. And my sister Denise, she noticed I was missing on Sundays because my games moved from Saturday to Sunday. So I started omitting church so I could play sport on Sunday. And Denise, bless her heart, she said, why don't you come to church? I'm going to buy a new, a new suit or clothing. Come to church. That touched me. She did. She bought me a new, new top and bottom and, and a tie, whatever it was. And I went to church. And I was sitting in the church pews, not understanding the, the Serbian language so well and this and that. And And I'm thinking I'm dreaming what's happening on the oval so I was in church for two three weeks and then I left I couldn't because my plans had to come first life is too short I need to fulfill my plans so this young lad takes his father's inheritance that was due to him And he goes off into a distant land. And we can probably think of many reasons why that happened. He went to a far country to be away from the influence of his father, to be away from the judgment of his father, so that every time he came home late, he wouldn't get a brow beating. And so maybe he was away so that he wouldn't shame his father when his father found out what he was doing. Maybe there was guilt. So he distanced himself, not only physically, but he distanced himself emotionally and spiritually from the household. My dear friend, we've been there. We've done that. We've been there. We've done that. Those that have come to Christ and had their opportunities, been there, done that. When, when someone says, don't do what the prodigal son did, you know what? It's too late. They've done it. Because we've all been abiding to sin. And you say, well, they haven't. Yes, they have. They've distanced themselves from God. They may be living at home, but their spirit, their emotions, their thoughts, their plans are elsewhere. we are by nature children of wrath Ephesians 2 says we're children of God's wrath we were taken away by the course of this world like a big river dragging us down the stream and we are helpless and hopeless without God he says atheos and what is that what is A big part of that course, it's acceptance. It's being accepted by your friends. It's being accepted by your mentors in the world. It's making a name for yourself. And that's the course, this course of this world, that's hurling us down to a a precipice, to a, a waterfall that you would... Eventually, be crashing over the cliff and, and, and perishing. But we don't see that when we're that young. Because I had the same thing, praying, God, just make my team win. Make my team win and one day I'll become a Christian. I'm bargaining with God. When I look back now, I said, what an inane prayer. God, do this, not do that. I can can manipulate God. And instead, instead of experiencing the blessing of being in the Father's house and everything that goes with it, the spiritual, eternal blessings, the things that are eternal, he sells himself to the lies of the devil. And he goes and squanders, not only, this is, the, this is the, a major point in this parable, he not only squanders his father's wealth that he gave him. That's what prodigal means prodigal is not in this chapter except for the word wasted the wasteful son he not only wasted his father's goods on things that were not at all beneficial were not at all of any value you know people in this world as as the saying goes know the price of everything they know the cost of any everything but they don't know the value of things what are the things that will last? What are the things that will remain? The value. So he goes and squanders not only material wealth, but guess what else he squandered? He squandered the opportunity to be used by his father in a far greater way, in a far more noble way. The time that he had spent away from home, he spent not only useless, but Perishable. He squandered the opportunity. And he took it right after his father Adam. Adam had the opportunity of a quote unquote eternal lifetime. When he was placed in the garden. And what did he choose? He had plans. Eve had plans. They worked together. We've got plans. If we eat this fruit. We're going to be like God. That's what the serpent tells us. We're going to be like him. We're going to know things. We're going to know good and evil. That seemed somewhat enticing. And they fell for it. They had a plan and it fell through. And that plan is constantly repeated in every single human life. And our father, he felt helpless and hopeless here he could not override his son's emotions he could not uh, say anything that would change his mind with all his hormones going he had to go and this parable in English has been called the parable of the prodigal son but in many other translations and countries they call it something different they call it the parable of the waiting father (laughs) the parable of the sovereign father. And this father had to wait at home. He was waiting. That's all he could do. You know what the word patient means? Where it comes from? It comes from the root word to wait. He was patient. He was life-suffering. The father perhaps had a glimmer of hope You know, I talk about, did he have faith? When when the Bible talks of hope, hope is something for the future. When the Bible talks of faith, it talks something about the present. The way we live today by faith. How we deal with situations by faith. But when things are going to happen in the future, it always speaks. In Romans 8, it talks about hope. That expectation, that confident expectation that God will work all things out. But you know, in the meantime, you can ask any parent, any parent in this room that had wayward sons and daughters, and you know that there was a long wait. There was a wait. Perhaps you can you can pronounce you can spell it both ways, W E I G H T. Or there was a wait. There was a wait, a longing, a hopeful for looking forward. Perhaps I will see my son come back over the horizon one day. But in the meantime, it's heart-wrenching. It's heartbreaking when your children or your grandchildren have decided. To follow their plans to follow their dreams and in these situations I remember a brother once said we need we need not worry about things that we cannot change we need to worry about the things that we can change that we can do about our life But when our life is in somebody else's hands, in their own hands or somebody else's hands, we can't worry about that. But we can pray for that. And not as if it doesn't have an effect on us. It does. So this young man goes out, his plan A goes, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have lots of friends because I've got lots of money and I'm going to become popular and I've maybe, I mean, I'm going ahead a little bit. The older son comes back. He squandered his life with harlots. With now, I don't know if he did. Or maybe he assumed that he did. But even if he did, when his money ran out, his friends ran out, and he was now left to work in a pigsty. God created us and Adam a living soul. And God wants us to have and to keep our soul, spirit and body In good health for his glory someone once said that we are we have a soul C.S. Lewis says no we are a soul we are a soul but we have a body and whatever we do to our soul can affect our body We see that constantly in alcoholism, in drug abuse, in physical abuse, violence, in not looking after all three, we become degenerate. Not only did God say in the day that you eat of this fruit will you die, did it mean physically, but it meant spiritually, separated from God, as we heard last week. And when this young man came to rock bottom then he came he says came to himself. We would say he came to his senses. He, re- he realized how many of my father's sermons have more than ample to eat and here I perish with hunger. How many I used to have that. Why didn't he think of that before he left home? That this could happen. Why didn't he walk through his plan and say, what are the options? Do a truth tree. No, but when you're young, you're foolish. And you think you know you've got it right. And you do your stuff. You go through your plan. And then plan A fails. On the way back he had a plan B it was a two-part plan he says look my father's house is f- abundant with food I have my father's love he was unconditionally loving me not like my friends I know what I'm going to do I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell him father I have sinned against heaven and thee And I'm no more, that was the first part, and the second one is, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me your slave. But that's not how God receives repentant sinners. He doesn't make them slaves if he redeems them, if he regenerates them he makes them sons adopted sons Romans 8.15 says you have not received the spirit of slavery or bondage but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father Dad and I could just imagine the faces of the scribes and Pharisees at this point looking at each other How dare. Like Simon the Pharisee says, if this man knew that this woman was a sinner. Jesus came with a radical message, which was always in the Word of God, even in the Old Testament, which was hid from their eyes. That He is a gracious and merciful but just God. And he receives sinners and receives publicans if they repent. This son came to rock bottom. I've seen people come to rock bottom. And I've seen what they used to be brash and arrogant and self-confident come to rock bottom. One of them was me. Until you fully surrender your life to God, you will continue on plan A thinking, oh, that was his first mistake. It's going to be better down the road. And it's going to be better down the road and further down the road. And you may go through five or six or seven huge mistakes in your life. It's going to be better down the road. My plan is going to work. I remember a brother, Andy Dimrovsky from West Akron, when he told me when he was serving in Vietnam. And um, it was a bloody and brutal war. People just forget all the rules in war. I remember in Australia reading about the Lai incident. An American soldier came out and just gunned down innocent women and children because they were enemies. I just w- uh, went through a couple of documentaries on the Serbian massacres in Bosnia where the Serbian armies just gunned down opponent opposing enemies because they were the enemies because this is what they did to us. I remember Brother Andy telling me, when they were in the middle of this bloody war, they would hear a secular song. I want to go home. I'm all broke up. I want to go home. Even the secular world realise that this world is a brutal place to live in. It's a terrible place to live in. War is terrible. Who invented it? The devil. We follow him. Something else I learned about sheep was they're so helpless, they're, they're, the ratio of brain matter to body matter is one of the smallest. All they can do is follow the other one. When it, when there comes a time of panic or, or terror, many times I'll just run around in circles. I watched a video yesterday about that because I was I looked up this uh, the the things about sheep, what they do. And there was a video of a of a some fellow in in Lebanon. He's driving his his jeep or whatever it was van through the town, and there's. Trying to push the sheep out in front of him so he can get through, and these sheep were coming to the front of the car. But because they see the sheep going to the back around the car, they're all following each other and they're circling this car as he's driving. Now, these sheep, you say, well, they're good guys because goats are bad. But I'm sorry, many, many young people and old people, for that matter, we can't ex- exclude them. They follow each other because they think this is the way to go. This is the place to be. This is the thing to do. This is the cool thing. This is the end thing. And they just follow each other. And you can go to all kinds of events. You can go to, even on the internet, they follow each other. They like all these things and they're just following each other. In this course of this world, they're following each other. And God has to give us a rude awakening. With events in our lives, such as this one, when we reach rock bottom, that God says, now look at me. Look at me! My dear friend, outside of Jesus Christ, you've been around long enough you've seen you've seen it happen to your friends you've seen it happen to people in the church that have left that have gone that have gone their separate ways I've seen it happen in my own family where people decide to go and do their thing their plan I have a brother in Australia that any day I'm expecting a phone call to say he's dead but he had plans while there's life there's hope are you going to be the one with plan A and keep on shifting thinking that it's going to get better it's going to get worse it's going to get worse. As one philosopher said that after going through life it ends up in a pool of mud. Something like that. I heard this long time ago. The father waited. You know who that father is? It's God. It's God. That father is God? Jesus was telling the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes, "This is the heart of your father. Your father, when he saw this wasteful, sinful son coming down the highway, coming down the country road from a long distance, he ran towards him, fell on his neck." kissed him and hugged him, took him inside and gave him a lavish banquet with more friends than he ever would have in the world as he experienced himself. This father ran to him. It is said that it is below one's uh, dignity for a Jewish father to run after his son like that. But dear us we have a God who runs he runs he runs to us some people say that this parable is unresolved because the way it ended It's unresolved. I mean, if you look at it, the older brother comes back. He was angry, just like the Pharisees and Jews were angry. The scribes, he was angry. I've been a good boy all my life. Look how you treat him. But you've never treated me that way. I I have a little bit of a problem understanding this because... It is said that this is really a parable of the two lost sons. Maybe it is, I don't know. But it the way it ends, it says, Son, to the older one, you are ever with me, and all I have is thine. Everything that I have is yours. You're the older son. Because I've given one third to your brother, but you've got everything else. It was meat, it was appropriate. That we should have make merry and be glad. Rejoice. For your brother was dead. He's alive again, was lost, and is found. Many times I've interpreted that parable that way because I was like many that just follow the crowd. This is what, this is what the, the popular saying on the street is about the older son. He was just as bad as the Pharisees. Well, that's not what the Bible says here. Even those that were angry with Jesus even those that were angry at their, their fellow believers their, 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 his brother now Jesus had compassion on him too God has compassion on him because he's not willing that any should be lost if you go to the parable in chapter 18 of Matthew the same one of the lost sheep he's speaking about believers he's speaking about those little ones who believe in him if any man offends this little one It'd be better for a millstone to be hanged on his neck and to be cast into the deeper sea. And he said, and gave him the parable of the lost sheep. Even if one of these little sheep go astray, the shepherd will leave the ninety and nine and go find him on the mountains and bring him back rejoicing. That's the heart of the father, the waiting father, the patient father, the long suffering father. I just want to conclude with this one chapter in the book of Jeremiah. You've heard of this perhaps in a bit of a different wording, but Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. That, this was in context of what God was now going to do with Israel after being with Judah after being in captivity for 70 years he said for I know the thoughts that I think toward you in ESV it says I know the plans that I have for you God has plans God has plans for us The father, the prodigal son's father, had plans for him. But he took his plans into his own hands. He says, I have these thoughts towards you, these plans, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me." With all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place where I have caused you to be carried away captive. Back home. Back to Jerusalem. Back to the Father's heart. The temple that they would rebuild. It thrills our heart this morning that Daniel has come to rock bottom and he's accepted the gift and that waiting father on the merit of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is able to receive the sinner back home with open arms, fall upon him and kiss him and receive him now as a son, no longer a slave. May the Lord bless his word, to him be the glory evermore.
1: Amen. As Brother Doug was sharing from this parable, I had one thought. I like that idiom that the uh, translators used. He came to himself. Think about that. Coming face to face with yourself, seeing yourself for who you really are are. Not who you you'll, you'll, you dream you will be, not even who, what others think you are, but you alone with yourself, seeing yourself for what you really are. It's only in that moment of honesty that God can really work. As Brother Doug said, as long as you hold on to your plans, as long as you think that somehow, well, this might just be a temporary setback, but Something better is coming. As long as you, you scheme, the problem with that is what happens when you get to the end of your life? What then? Come face to v- face with yourself now. Realize your condition now where well, you can do something about it and turn and go back to the Father's house. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. This concludes our service. Amen.